0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 12 on what Abraham does when he is faced with unfriendly Canaanites and how God kept Abraham focused on his promise to him and Abraham's seed. Before we begin our Bible teaching program here on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, we want to inform you of a Jewish salvation. From our summer blitz, one of our Israel Restoration Ministries missionaries was able to witness and reach a 26-year-old Jewish woman and college student with the gospel. Now, the missionary had to work for many, many weeks reaching this lost Jewish woman, and they were studying Hebrew together, building the relationship, uh, but she was indoctrinated with her college beliefs and thoughts of alien life and extraterrestrial evolution and other interesting things that she's learned in college and through secular studies. But finally, the missionary was able to sit her down after much prayer and much really building that relationship with her and really laying out what the Bible says about having a personal relationship with God, the creator of the universe. They went over scientific topics and also biblical studies and doctrinal studies as well as uh, you know Jewish background studies, but all of it leading up into to presenting of the Ten Commandments, and that she could not do enough to be saved, and how God was a good and just God, and that he would have to bring about justice for her violation of the Ten Commandments. Now, falling under this guilt and conviction, this Jewish woman realized she needed the Lord Jesus Christ and God's sacrifice in his blood for her sins, and she was willing to repent of all the other teachings and learnings that she had faced and put her trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she did that just this past week, and she's also been in services of worship and in church and discipleship, and she is growing in her relationship and friendship with God. And if you would like to support Jewish evangelism and the gospel going to the Jewish people, you can donate 100% tax-deductible, and you can make that donation online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or call us at 800-247-3051, 800 247 thirty fifty one. Now here is our Bible teacher Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis twelve how Abraham dealt with unfriendly Canaanites and how God kept his promise to him and his seed.
1: And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him, and he removed from hence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord and called Upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Now, in our last study, we saw these important verses, especially focusing on verses 7 and 8, where the two major points in Abraham's life, and each one of these major points, these time periods of this time that happened, he marked it with an altar. In verse 7, we saw how God appeared to Abraham, and Abraham marked the spot. And he said, that's the place where God appeared to me, built an altar. And that's where he heard these words, these very important two words. Been 20, almost 25 years, who knows, something like that, since he was back in Ur in the Chaldees when God first spoke to him that he had to leave, that he was going to bring him into a land. And now, after 25 years, he hears these words in Genesis twelve seven. unto thy seed will I give, This land, that's the point. And so finally, God tells Abraham that he had reached the spot. And so to mark the spot where he heard God say, this land, he builds an altar. But before verse 7, at the end of verse 6, is very important, ominous words. And those words are, the Canaanite was then in the land. Those words were kind of like Indian smoke signals, you know, in the hills that... uh, told of a war path on the way you know and uh, trouble was on the horizon for abraham so those words at the end of verse six give us an explanation for the mysterious thing that we read in verse eight and that is that he removed he removed from thence unto a mountain so it doesn't give us any details of exactly what happened we just read this very disturbing statement that abraham left the place where God appeared to him and confirmed to him he was in the right place. And then he moves on to from a plain onto a mountain. So the description of where Abraham settled down in this mountain very much leads us to believe that it was because the Canaanite was in the land, because it makes a point of describing Abraham's location as in between, trying to find a place in between these two cities of Bethel and Ai. So Abraham's got trouble in his life and the Canaanites in the land. And what does he do? What does Abraham do in verse 8 when he's faced with this trouble? The unwelcoming Canaanite. What does he do? He calls on the name of the Lord and he builds an altar. (laughs) He calls on the name of the Lord. He calls on the name of the Lord. Now that's a very, very important thing that Abraham does here because what he's doing is he's making a life decision here and he's showing that when he is in mission impossible, or situation impossible, I should say, when he's in situation impossible, Abraham is going to turn to God and call on the name of the Lord. And to mark out that great decision that he's made in his life, he builds an altar. He builds an altar of the place where he has made this decision to call on the name of the Lord when he's in trouble. Now, In verse 7, God made a very simple, but a very definite promise to Abraham when he said these words, unto thy seed will I give this land. So the promise here involves two parts. It involves thy seed and it involves this land. See, that's what the promise is all wrapped up in, thy seed and this land. So what's happening here is that God is beginning to to reveal or uh, to reveal his grand purpose his grand purpose is going to involve abraham's seed and the land of canaan now as i said it's been uh, about 25 years since he was back in the early chaldees when god first speaks to abraham and he told him at that time about the first part about the land as part of his purpose or his plan But he didn't say anything about his seed back there in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abraham and Sarah are childless. And we can only imagine what a shock this was for Abraham to hear for the very first time in verse 7 that God had a purpose for his seed, for Abraham's seed. That's the first mention of the seed of Abraham in the Bible. It's the first mention of the seed of Abraham to Abraham. So when God says these words to Abraham in verse seven, "thy seed," it's the beginning now of God going to reveal or, or or open up now His plan with those words, "thy seed." God is starting to unfold His great plan to rescue man, and just to see how that plan involved Abraham's seed. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter two, verse fourteen. Hebrews two fourteen. And we'll just take a little time to look at this. It's very important about Abraham's seed in the plan of God. So it, Hebrews 2.14, it says like this, Hebrews 2.14 through 17. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part, took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things that behooved him to be make, made like unto His brethren, that he might be a faithful and and a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So when God spoke to Abraham about his seed back in Genesis 12, this was very, very personal for God, because God, Jehovah Jesus, was looking at Abraham, and he himself knew that he would be the one to do what it says in verse 16 of Hebrews 2. Took on him the seed of Abraham. The Lord knew that he would become a part of Abraham's seed. So God's purpose for taking on the seed of Abraham is stated at the end of verse 14 in Hebrews 2, where it says that through death he might destroy him that had, in the description of the devil, is that he has the power of death, that is, the devil. Now, so, so in verse 14, he looks at man, and he sees children. That's what he says. Children that are hopelessly imprisoned by the devil. In verse 14, God looks at the devil, and he saw a person who had the power of death and was hard at work with that power. What was he doing? With that power, he was enticing man into the death trap, which he did originally with Adam and continues to do, that makes man lost from God in death. He saw him using the power to encourage man to go more and more and more into sin, and so accrue for himself individually more and more wages of death. Which is And that keeps man lost in death. He saw in the devil, using his power of death, a, a person who was accusing man to God to get judgments against man so he'd be forever lost
0: in death. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just a minute. Now, Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism outreach ministry. And at the beginning of our program, we mentioned how a 26-year-old Jewish college student received the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. Now, you too can be an evangelist and work for Israel Restoration Ministries as a volunteer and take the gospel to the Jewish people around you. Maybe it's your doctor, maybe it's your lawyer, your neighbor, a business owner in your neighborhood, an acquaintance, a relative, someone that you know that needs to be reached with the gospel, and they're Jewish. We have resources that are geared towards reaching Jewish people, and our missionaries put out great gospel gifts and tracts. And in fact, we have a pack of 20 Israel Restoration Ministries fourfold color tracks. They're beautiful. They've got an Old Testament gospel presentation. You can get 20 of them by calling us now at 800-247-3051. He saw in the
1: person of the devil, one who was using his power to terrorize man, or as it says in our text, the fear of death. He says, terrorize him all his life with the fear of death, to paralyze him from coming to God to keep him lost in death. He saw in the devil, one who was using the power of, of death, to distract man with vain pursuits, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, to make man waste away his chance in life to be saved by God from death. He saw in the devil a person using the power of death to receive lost man into an eternal death in hell. Just like the Lord Jesus Christ said, that, there, that I may receive you unto myself in John 14, or there you may be. Always, well, that's the devil also receiving unto himself. And he saw in the devil using the power of death to torment lost man for all eternity with pain and fear in hell. So that's the enemy of all men. That's the devil. And that's what he does with what is called the power of death. He entices men into being lost, he encourages men to become more lost, he seeks judgments against man for him to be lost forever. He terrorizes man with the fear of death. He distracts man from his only possible rescue from death. And he receives man into the place of eternal death and he torments him there forever. That's the devil. That's our enemy. And he is described as the one, in Hebrews 2, as the one that has the power of death over everyone. So when God looks at us in our lostness, in our helplessness, helplessness and our hopelessness against the devil who has the power of death he has pity he had pity he had compassion on us and so as we saw in verse 14 when he says the children were partakers of flesh and blood flesh and blood dies that's what flesh dies blood dies flesh and blood dies and so when he saw the children were partakers of flesh and blood he saw us described in verse 15 as terrorized by the fear of death. And so he decided to destroy him that had the power of death. And that's a very interesting word that's used there. That is the same word that we get our word "cauterize" from. And it means to make useless. Cauterize means to make useless. You know, I told you before about how we used to dehorn our little kid goats with this red hot iron that we would burn and, and brand around their horn buds And what we were doing is making their horn buds useless, so they didn't grow horns. So we cauterized them, made them useless. Cauterization is a medical practice to make useless. A nerve that's cauterized will no longer transmit signals. It's useless. Blood vessels that are cauterized will no longer transport blood. That's how they make bleeding stop. But those blood vessels then become useless. Cells that are cauterized are no longer function. They're useless cauterization makes useless and that's the word that he used here for to describe how he's going to destroy the devil he's going to make him useless so when we plug that term in to verse 14 we could read it like this that through death he might cauterize him that had the power of death that is the devil and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage so the goal Of the Lord Jesus Christ was to cauterize, was to make useless or put out of commission the devil who had the power of death. And he did this. He did this through death. That's very important, as it says there. Through death. The person who did this is God the Son. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is Jehovah Jesus. And notice what it says in verse 16 that he took not on him what? What does it say? The nature of angels, right? He took not on him the nature of angels. That's what it says. There is a nature of angels. There is a nature of man. There is a nature of God. The nature of God is not to die. God doesn't die. That's the nature of God. God cannot die. That's part of his nature. But the nature of man is that man dies. Man can die. So when God took on him the nature of man, it's described here, as him becoming a partaker along with men of flesh and blood. He took on himself flesh and blood so that he could die. He became a partaker of flesh and blood so that he could die. Because now God has taken on another nature, the nature of man so that he can die. And when he became 100% man, He did die. That was his purpose, and that's how he cauterized the devil. He did die like any other man. When he said that he would lay down his life, that does not mean that he died differently from any other man. It means that he turned over himself to be killed as he was. And so he he didn't just dismiss his spirit, but he died. He suffered like any man would suffer before and on the cross. He bled like any man would bleed. He gasped for air as his lungs filled up with fluid like any man would gasp for air on a cross. And when on the cross, when he said, I thirst, he thirsted like any man would thirst who was suffering from dehydration. And when he cried out with his last breath the words of David, king of Israel, when he repeated David's words, into thy hands I commit my spirit, he breathed his last breath and he died just like David died, just like any other man would breathe his last breath and die. Because it says in verse 14, he also likewise, in the same way, took part of the same, the same flesh and blood that dies. Why? That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them. He did that, as it says in the end of verse 17 so that he could make reconciliation for the sins of the people now whenever we read this word make it's very important make in that verse we think of the word done done make done which is the last word of psalm 22 which is the description of the crucifixion and the last two verses of psalm 22 tells what we do As the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are described as the seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this, or he hath made this, or Asa is a Hebrew word, ki asah, last two words of that psalm. In other words, that he did this. So we declare... What he did when he became man, when God became man, when he died on a cross, he did or he made reconciliation or atonement for the sins of the people. When he became man, he died on the cross. He accomplished reconciliation for the sins of the people. Or in his own words from the cross, he finished reconciliation for the sins of the people. Now, verse 16 here in Hebrews 2 is all about choice. Choice. verse 16 tells us, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. He verily he took not on him the nature of angels. He chose, first in the negative, he chose, for verily he took not on him the nature of angels. That describes what he chose not to do. That's his choice. He chose not to, to take on the nature of angels did angels also fall into sin yes could he have become the savior of angels yes but he decided to let the angels go the fallen angels he decided to lead the fallen angels forever lost without any hope and without any help the lord never purposed to be the savior of angels so he took not on him the nature of angels He never chose to save fallen angels from their sin. Therefore, verily, he took not on him the nature of angels. That was his first choice in verse 16, to not save fallen angels. But he did decide, that was choice number one, he did decide, choice number two, to become the savior of fallen men. And now we come to, that's the second part, where it says, he took on him the seed of Abraham. So in order to become the savior of man, in order to die for the sins of mankind, God chose to take on him the seed of Abraham. Seed of Abraham. Just as he could have chosen to save angels, but he didn't, he chose not to, he could have chosen to take on any man's seed, but he chose Abraham. He chose to take on the seed of Abraham, and God would take on himself the seed of Abraham. So the beginning of verse 16 tells us what he did not take on, nature of angels, and then it says that he made a choice. He became, he took on the nature of the seed of Abraham, (laughs) and the the seed of Abraham has a nature, it's, anyway, he became a part of the seed of Abraham, He, he became Jewish, he looked like the seed of Abraham, he looked Jewish. He communicated like the seed of Abraham. He communicated like Jewish people communicate. For example, he answered questions with questions. That's very Jewish. So in Matthew 21, when they was come, the temple, the chief priests, the elders, that came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? Jesus answered and said unto them, I will ask you one thing. doesn't answer the question. Which if you tell me, and likewise, I'll tell you by what authority? Batch of John, was it from uh, heaven or, or of men? Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Man, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What's written in the law? <laughs> he had the mannerism of the seed of Abraham. He has a, it's a Jewish mannerism, drive a point home, Jewish mothers are good at this, by always saying, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you know. Like in John 14:2, my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, you know. Anyway, I go to prepare a place for you. I'm telling you, my father's house, are many mansions. What? If it weren't so, don't you think I'd tell you? All right. So he chose to take on him the seed of a man described in the Bible as a Syrian ready to perish. He chose to take on him the seed of a man who had no children, who was barren. And this is what it means when he said he chose to take on him the seed of Abraham.
0: What a great day of studying the Bible here in Genesis chapter 12 with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Tom Cantor is our Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and as our Bible teacher has a wonderful ministry called Israel Restoration Ministries, whom he is the founder of, he wants to reach lost Jewish people, too, because someone reached him with the gospel. If you'd like to volunteer and be a part of Israel Restoration Ministries, reaching lost Jewish people in the area in which you live, we've got a pack of twenty full-color, fourfold tracks that we'd like to get to you with a gospel presentation from the Old Testament about Jesus Christ being the Jewish Messiah. It's a beautiful presentation of the gospel. You can get 20 of them by calling us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Call us to donate or receive resources and information at 800-247-3051, 800 247 3051. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow.